Hello and good afternoon everyone. This is Abdullah Laknavi and we are back with another set of podcasts and this being a Sunday and you know Sundays are just meant to be chill, are meant to be you know a chilling kind of stuff and since we are in a lockdown position so it's time to have a very interactive session with the CEO of internationalism Mr. Abhi Vardhan is with us today and he will be discussing about the, his insights on the latest article which he wrote on the medium so welcome Abhi Vardhan to the show and we are very glad that you took out some time from your busy schedule to be with us so Abhi Vardhan first thing first I would like to ask you and that is what is partisanship thank you so much uh, Baba for the uh, welcome greeting so welcome to all uh, for Indic Legalism in this episode, actually, we will discuss uh, the idea of global partisanship, which is a very interesting aspect in international relations and political science. So, when you say partisanship, it simply means to have a particular side. You have to take a particular side, whether any of it, and then you actually get into it, which is actually called partisanship. It's like having Democrats in the U.S., which is a one partisanship, or the Republicans in the U.S., or Congress in one side and the BJP in the other island. It's like partisanship. Okay, it's a political partisanship. Um, in other terms, yes, partisanship also happens. There are certain ideological concerns. So, uh, partisanship also comes because of the role of ideology. And I think that from there, the whole thing starts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you feel? Like, uh, should partisanship be there or is it uh, a harmful aspect of something which is not yet overseen at times? As in, partisanship is often not good for a democracy. However, uh, if partisanship is healthy, then it might be a good thing. Uh, but uh, as I've discussed in the article, I do not think that partisanship must must exist for a long time, because over partisanship or over binary creations of partisanship is just deadly for any democracy. And since we have an idea of political democracy taken for Americans. And imposed on most of the countries in the world, which actually some of the democracies, some of the countries have also responded positively. For example, uh, you know, we can take any democracy for that matter in Africa. Then, yeah, some democracies have really positively uh, demonstrated uh, that they can be a democracy. Uh, India is a vibrant democracy, for example. Uh, so, yes. Now, uh, the thing is that um, global partisanship uh, is a very interesting phenomenon because I'll tell you, uh, the concept of binary is simple. So, you know, you always hear these terms where on any social or political issue you have two sides, right? It's mm-hmm. always a two-sided discourse which happens. Well, why does it happen? Because it has been a historic thing. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the Republican Party, which was founded by Abraham Lincoln, it was, a, and it was an anti-slavery party, right? It, it came during the time of the U.S. Civil War when the Democrats from the South, the counties were you know, pro-slavery, pro-KKK, everything like that, right? Uh, But Mm -hmm. now when we see during the Donald Trump administration, and you know, not not even just Donald Trump, I think from the 1950s, the whole paradigm was shifted. uh, And uh, the Democrats started to become an anti-slavery party, Mm -hmm. and uh, the Republicans were pretended to be kind of a pro-slavery party. Uh, mm-hmm. A same paradox we saw in India. While in India there was a dominance of one political party, which is the Congress, 
The Congress mm. was actually a nationalist party. Again, mm. if, if you see the history, the Congress was always the party of segregation. By definition, mm. it was. Alan Octavian Hume was an elitist, um, but the leaders in the Congress, like Mahamana, the founder of BSU, these were the visionaries of the Hindu right, or the Hindu nationalists and the conservatives who actually were in the Congress. They were not socialists, so the basis of Congress was never socialism. Socialism was never a part of Congress. Unfortunately, socialism came due to Mahatma Gandhi and Jawaharlal Nehru, which destroyed the Congress effectively in the coming 60 years. And then the Congress started declining very badly. The decline started in 2004 because it is irrespective of the fact that they won an election in 2009, uh, the decline had already begun because of the same partisan politics. Uh, it's the same minority ethnicism politics, it's the same politics of secularism, where no transformation of jurisprudence happens, no transformation of law happens, no transformation of systems happens. And that's also a big problem. Although things change, obviously, like in, if, in the Uruguay and advanced countries, things are different. Um, uh, in the UK, the Labour Party came into existence, which was a party for liberals. Uh -huh. Kind of a socialist party, um, mm -hmm. affiliated to its own uh, Fabian socialist or Marxist tradition, which is considered to be the whole idea of the left. So you see that there are certain parties which subscribe to the left. Unfortunately, there is also a, a group of people which does not subscribe to Marxist, Marxist thinking or the thinking of angels or, you know, all the Marxist loonies, which mm -hmm. is the liberals. Because the liberals actually uh, are a block of the Christians only, the Protestants. From where yeah. the Protestants have come? Europe. So, okay, yeah. uh, Martin Luther King from the University of Edinburgh started this movement with Lutheranism or Protestantism. He focused on the idea of reformation. He wanted reforms in the Christian society and that's how he did. But then the movement became too much radical and then the Christian wars started happening in Europe. Uh, religious wars in uh, the 1400s and the 1500s, I think in the 15th century, the 16th century, if I'm correct. So, there you see the binary partisanship among the Christians, right? Uh, binary partisanship uh, between, you know, this binary partisanship also is created between Hindus and Muslims. It is actually very unreal. There is no scriptural basis. There is no geographical basis for it. The whole geographical basis which is mounted or surmounted upon is an artificial one which is completely based on the invasion of various invaders in India and mm. the over-secularization and the over-Islamization of India which also causes hurt to the uh, innocent people who are today either Muslims or Christians or Palestinians. And I think that is also a problem in India why partisanship is a very bad thing. Uh, I can tell you a recent example like this uh, farmers produce bill which, is, uh, which has been passed in the Rajya Sabha today. Uh, yeah. The symptom issues which have been raised about the APMC and all of that uh, there is no tenable ground on this. There is no tenable ground by the opposition, but there is opposing to the state of it. In fact, uh, uh, there is a footage which shows that Derek O'Brien of the TMC misbehaved with the Rajasabha speaker while actually he was doing his work. He was uh, trying to throw something on him and all that. Mm -hmm. but, and, and, and the thing is that vandalism and this whole threat of misuse of power is something which is a problem and that is the issue. Why? Uh, these things happen. I'll give you one more example and then I'll take a question. Yeah. So, you know the Black Lives Matter protests that happened. So there was a dichotomy. The Black yeah. Lives Matter campaign did not start with the death of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. The Black Lives Matter campaign had already started in 2016 after Trump, before Trump had come. Even, mm -hmm. uh, even he had become, before he had become president. It had started under the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. Now, 
the BLM, uh, BLM is first, there are two things to it. The paradox of BLM then, and that's what the left always says is, mm-hmm. the BLM, for some people is a good movement because they believe it's a movement for the cause of the blacks. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is no racism in America. Yes, there is. But racism can be resolved with time. It takes time. It is not easy. And vandalizing cities, vandalizing black businesses, vandalizing and killing people is not the way to do it. Saying that a fascist died, so actually a human died, doesn't matter whether he had a white supremacist thinking or not, and whether it is proved or not is even not a matter because when it comes to fundamental rights from the human rights in international law or even in the American constitution, you do not behave like that in a moronic way. Therefore, the protest itself and the campaign itself had no value. Many things were also there like uh, due to this vandalism, the Democratic Party took an advantage, the party is segregation. While the Republicans actually got their base stronger, the conservative base, the Texas, Florida, and South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, South yeah. Carolina. Um, yeah. And I think uh, the Helmut Moscow model also suggests that Donald Trump might win the New York also. If Donald Trump wins New York, then it's a big thing. But anyway, so partisanship is a big problem, and the BLM riots have proved it. They are not BLM protests in that true sense. Very few of them are. Most of them are val- valiant protests. Mm-hmm. So, uh, keeping it very straight for our audience who are not much into international politics or who doesn't have that much depth of politics, uh, partisanship is basically done with a vestige interest and it actually has no base. This is what we can actually make out of it, Abhivadan. Uh, not entirely, actually. Uh, partially because uh, partisanship is valuable. So, for example, you know the concept of democracy. There will be a majority, there will be a minority. Minority not in the sense of there is just minorities or somewhat like that. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole idea of democracy is all about voting. So, obviously, there is a majority-minority concept. Um, democracy is can't live without it. Uh, there are certain things where the opposition also have a role. But uh, uh, then uh, the functional functionality of a democracy... So, there are three methods. First... Uh, you need a quorum to get something voted, to get yeah. something done. That yeah, correct. Pressure grouping and, you know, present. Mm. Uh, then consensus, having consensus on things, you know, all the people are voting same. That is mm. consensus. And the third method is majority-minority, 65% majority, 50% majority. Absolute mm. majority or uh, special majority. So special majority is a very interesting thing. Now, uh, when you have the concept of democracy like that, obviously there will be a majority and there will be a minority. Although I don't think the use the use of the word minority should be imposed like anything that an international media has been for a while, from New York Times to Washington Post to whatnot. And uh, I think that also stems from the issues in various countries. For example, Israel. For example, the Middle East. For example, mm-hmm. India. For example, Canada. For example, China. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Uyghur minorities. They're Muslims. What is happening to them? Um, lots of people are being detained. They are being told, okay, follow Xi Jinping and abandon your Quran. And then. What is happening to them? It's a bad thing, right? They are being incarcerated. The BBC tried to question the Chinese ambassador, but nothing happened. So mm-hmm. uh, this is this is also a very uh, sad thing, to be very honest. And partisanship, partisanship, partisanship is okay, but to an extent, because if if, if hyper partisanship happens, then it's a bad thing because it doesn't serve anybody. And and, and that's the that's the paradoxical thing. So I don't know. Um, 
ultra partisanship is something cricket audience and i'll tell you an example regarding the whole fuss made about hitler everybody mm. says that hitler came just like a haywire everybody just voted them and so forth and then the historians the so called historians around the world make claims about hitler and then they say a lot of nasty things fine mm. nobody is supporting hitler hitler was a Uh, dictator, no issue. Yeah. But let's understand this. The Nazi Party was not formed in 1933 when he won the election, so it was not something like out of the blue. Uh, when 1919, uh, the Germany lost the First World War. What actually mm-hmm. happened with them was very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The communists and the liberals were actually affected. Okay, the conservative part of Germany was still in a different situation, but the communists were really, the socialists were really. angry and they were quite causing riots and all also meanwhile germany had to be uh, had to adhere the treaty of versailles due to that germany's inflation rate rose so high that i think even a bread was that much of a cost of 1 billion british mark british mark is the currency of weimar germany mm-hmm. so 1 billion british mark for a, a loaf of bread imagine the cost right this was the level of inflation due to the war indemnity they had to pay to the allies the americans the europeans which is the west europeans to be very honest so mm-hmm. this was a very big issue and it caused a lot of problems now hitler party hitler was not even the founder of the nazi party hitler came into the party lately uh, hermann goring and all those guys and their ideological father also who created this fake theory about swastika and uh, aryans which was even disproved by various hindu and uh, jewish scholars mm-hmm. uh, actually started this whole crisis and uh, in 1922 this party had a revolt in bavaria in germany i think between 1922 to 1925 they had this hitler was jailed the ideological father of the nazi party was uh, was dead because of attacks and all that and um, hitler was in jail for five years then what mm-hmm. happened the great depression happened his speech was a passionate thing he brought that charisma and the thing he actually went into it but He misused the communists very well. This this aspect, and after that, what happened was he actually dismantled the idea of democracy by imposing consolidation. Mm-hmm. This was something which was unreasonable. So global, the idea of ultra-partisanship in this binary culture is somewhere along the line very toxic. Uh, and you know the 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 worst, the people who are affected the most are the liberals and not the conservatives. The conservatives get the chance because most conservatives in the world are religious. Or the non-left, which is not even conservative. Like for example, in India, uh, the BJP is actually not a conservative party; it's a Hindu socialist party, right? Yeah, yeah correct. Either uh, Ayushman Bharat, uh, Jan Shetty, uh, Jan Dhan Aadhar, Mudra Loans, all of this is about socialism. They are welfare, you know, they are helping the people. In fact, the BJP government has invested a lot in Muslim Muslims, but nobody reports it very consistently. A lot of things mm-hmm. actually, the Yogi government, uh, Yogi government invested on in Muslims. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Um, um, so that is the thing, right? Uh, it's a very uh, interesting thing altogether, and uh, people just uh, do not understand this aspect. So uh, I don't know, but, uh, and that's the thing. So Modi is actually Hindu social. In fact, Yogi Adityanath, the chief minister of Uttar Pradesh, says in his biography, "I am made a Hindu Samajwadi." He himself says it. He himself means it. So. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Samajwadis of Akhilesh Yadav and all the whole goons, but actually he is the Samajwadi of his own kind—a person who believes in Advaita, or a person who believes in uh, the Vedas, 
I mean, a socialist of his own, having social versus things for the people of his own time. So basically, this is a very important thing altogether. And, you know, I think people really need to read and think about. So I particularly propose that the global partisanship must be ended because too much global partisanship is bad. Uh, their coalition politics exists in mainstream democracies all around the world. So yes, it has a value. Let it exist. Civilization ethos must be preserved. And liberalism must rise again. True liberalism must come back. True liberalism is not. So uh, you think that both these ideologies, uh, if they can be combined or if if they can be united, so they can be united for a greater good. Well, liberals and conservatives can exist. There is okay. no issue with that. Left and the conservatives can't because the left is anti-religion, anti-civilization, anti-culture, anti-gun. Okay. They are the most horrendous and low-graded block in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And the left never contributed anything in fundamental rights. In fact, you check all the dictatorships, main dictatorships I'm talking about, like all the Soviet dictators, all the communist dictatorships, Yugoslavia, Russia, um, China, no respect for fundamental rights. The whole mm-hmm. concept of rights did not came from the left, it came from the right and the liberals. It never came from the left. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you think? Is social media is to be blamed for these kinds of ideologies? Because what I see is, uh, or what we basically see is, uh, that many people who are under the garb of social media doesn't know what actually they are trying to portray. They are just being led by a crowd of few people. So how do you think that social media is playing role in this, in this ideology? Is Social media, if it would have been only technology as a resource, then it could not have played a bigger role. Mm-hmm. But Mark Zuckerberg and uh, I think the founder of Twitter must must be asked a simple question: When is it that technology services started becoming censorship agencies, and from when since when they started doing this? I mean, okay, fine, having community standards is okay, but. Um, you are just blocking a few set of people. How is it different? Mm-hmm. Okay, there is a problem of ideology, and uh, that comes especially with the political right. Uh, there are people who might not be able to digest your ideology regarding the politics they see from their perspective, and uh, you might even not know exactly what you are talking about. So, what is uh, the solution to this? How can we actually impart the right set of education to us, to a person or a, in a society, that it, it spreads through right channels? Well, um, yes, it is an issue. So, well, the concept which actually is responsible for it is political correctness. Political correctness is nothing. It's just like you need to be politically correct something. And a particular, one particular side decides what is political correctness. That's why political correctness becomes a religion. It's as religious like anything. So, uh, due to political correctness and the idea of political correctness, people don't understand reality is in the problem. They don't ever come out of the school. They don't want to think differently. That's the solution. Uh, okay. So... Anything which you want to add from your side, like I am done with my list of questions I had and uh, I think most of the uh, answers has been given by you, but anything which you would to add as a social message or um, 
something which can be of use for people listening to this podcast i would say very humbly in the end that nobody is a final arbitrator when it comes to politics okay you should read all the alternative sides know the alternative discussions you should not eulogize marx or anybody for that matter don't eulogize your prime minister don't eulogize the president nobody is perfect civilizations mm. have always lived through this it's pretty obvious read the history of russian empire read the history of the hindu kings read the history of the british and you will understand how it was so i think that's the best thing you can say and before we come to the conclusion of this podcast i would ask uh, mr abhi vardhan to please tell about his organization and what are his vision and how he is helping society look into a different set of changes like he is currently a researcher as well and he researches a lot and this article though looks easy but has a depth of meaning and has a material and elements quite elements which a layman might not understand so how are you helping the society to actually get a right set of thought process into their minds well internationalism is actually committed to research in international organizations so we train our interns and people in such a way that please don't get influenced by one ideological rhetoric one ideological rhetoric always dominates and that's the bad thing uh, instead of dominance oh, there's also one more thing we teach people to focus on competence not power the the idea of competence is important not power the whole politics of power is bad we don't we don't need wars anymore we don't need the whole set of stupidity so the politics of power can be appropriated accordingly and the politics of competence can be appropriated accordingly that is the best way to do it and i think that is how things work so that's what we do that's what we do okay so here we come to the conclusion of this podcast hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and uh, you understand the concept what we uh, talked about and you have any queries you can just uh, drop in at drop in at uh, global@internationalism.co.in and the team of internationalism will revert to your all your queries and suggestions thank you for listening and it was a nice uh, day and in fact sunday it's a good sunday and thank you everyone for the time uh, hope you guys enjoyed it see you in the next podcast soon